The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Episode 148 of the Rise and Shine podcast and the featured guest this week, Jim Behot, the Hall of Famer, the legendary Syracuse basketball coach. And we'll talk to Coach about his amazing career, what's next for him, the NCAA tournament, all the upsets, how college basketball has changed, his relationship with the media, who he likes to cut down the nets. 40 minutes of absolute gold with our guy, Jim Beheim. So it's an incredible interview. You guys are going to love it. I'm in an excellent mood as we do the podcast and we're taping it on a Monday afternoon. It's now official. Sirius XM released it in a press release. Our great head of PR, Andrew Fitzpatrick. I signed a four-year contract extension at SiriusXM, so the Rise and Shine podcast will be in your feed for the next four years every single Wednesday, and you can set your, your watch, your clock to it as we continue to interview the most interesting people that I care about in sports, athletes, celebrities, coaches, media types, People that I care about who love sports the way you love sports and will go in depth on their career and their lives and their takes in sports. So we're thrilled about that. And of course, Shine on Sports continues on Mad Dog Sports Radio. We've been at Sirius. It was Sirius in 2004 when I started. And, you know, now we're going to, we're in year 18 of Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. And that'll continue for at least another four and then another four after that and four more after that. So, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm very grateful to be at, at SiriusXM. I love the people. I love the company. I love the power and prestige and the platform of, of Mad Dog Sports Radio, SiriusXM, the SXM app. I love working with Eric Spitz and Steve Cohen and Steve Torrey. And for the podcast side, obviously, my guy Brady, Marissa, just incredible. Bob Stu, of course, our producer, for Shine on Sports and for the Rise and Shine podcast. Everyone at SiriusXM, obviously Scott Greenstein and my guy Gary and Andrew Moss and my agent, Maury Gosfrander, did a great job in this deal. So uh, as he always does, I'm just super excited. I I really appreciate all the nice words as you know, Sirius put out the press release. I'm always appreciative and, and humbled by that. And Bob, I'm I'm fired up. I mean, you knew this was happening. You you know how to keep a secret. So I, I'm thrilled we got another four-year deal and the Rise and Shine podcast every single Wednesday. So a rebrand, as we mentioned last week, for the podcast. New logo. I by the way, I love the new logo. Love the new music that you picked out, which is great. The bugle at the start with the rise and shine, which was my oldest daughter, Jolie, her idea, and my guy Brady couldn't get enough. So 
I am really fired up about a new four-year contract here at SiriusXM and the Rise and Shine podcast. Oh, it's really well-deserved, Adam. I'm just really happy for you, and I'm proud of everything we've done. I mean, the podcast, the show, everything is unbelievable. It's on fire. Now, let me ask you something, though. 20 years is coming up. Did you ever think that you'd be at the same place for 20 years when you started this? You know, it's such a great question, and as you know, I'm a who-move-my-cheese guy, right? You know, (laughs) I like the same thing all the time. I like routine, but, you know, I'll I'll make changes when it needs to be made. I mean, I, you know, I I went to CBS, you know, full-time in in 2015, and I love working at CBS and and doing our nightly show, Time to Shine, but no, you never take a job and think you're going to be at a place for, for 20 years, but... Listen, I love the people. I love being attached to to Christopher Mad Dog Russo. I love working with you every day. We work for the best company. Great, great place and great people. And, you know, it's my passion. It's my drug. I get fired up every day to host the radio show and the podcast every week. And, you know, I I just love it. And and I love, you know, the, the buzz that we get from the podcast and from the radio show. And it's it's the absolute best place. And it's I love being a staple of it, and it's it's important to me. So, and we get great listeners and callers and subscribers, and you know, interaction on Twitter at Adam Shine. So, I, I'm just I, I I'm obsessed with what we do, and you know, the product we put out, and being here for what will be 22 years. I mean, we gotta have a big celebration coming up in a couple of years when we hit 20 years, right? I mean, it will soon be the 20 year history of Shine on Sports, and you know, Bob, you're a big part of it. And having, I mean, you started as an intern, then mm-hmm. associate producer, then producer, now a senior executive producer of Shine on Sports and the Rise and Shine podcast. I mean, I would say I was the best intern, so it's not that surprising <laughs> that I had a meteoric rise. <laughs> I know there's a lot of debate who the best intern was. I think it was me. That's why I'm still here. I outlasted everybody else. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. It's It's... There's just a great saying, one of the people who used to produce, Nick Costos, you're not here by accident. That's how this is. I wouldn't still be here if it was an accident, man. That's what it comes down to. But look, I mean, you're only, I think you're only now 29 years away from passing Jim Boeheim, Adam. You just got to do this another 29 years, and you will pass Jim Boeheim's run at Syracuse. Take that, Jim Boeheim. (laughs) Let's go. You can do it. I can do it. I'll be there for 47 years. I like that you did the math, knowing full well that I couldn't do the math. And, you know, Bayheim will have some nice words, I'm sure, about the new contract extension that Sirius XM announced moments before he joined the podcast. So, listen, we'll get into a great text from Jack Shine. We'll get into why Packers fans are on Planet Delusional with my take when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. By the way, Bob, with all the March Madness and you've been into it and I've been into it, the NFL offseason has been off the charts and, and really through the roof. And, you know, as it always is, you know, one move that happened that I don't want to fly under the radar with all the NCAA tournament action, which has been just mesmerizing and it always lives up. How about Brandon Cooks? You know, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the entire sport at the receiver position. I know how much you like him. You know, I thought he would have been a great Cowboy or Packer last year at the trade deadline. 
You know, I love that move by the Cowboys, getting Brandon Cooks opposite side of C.D. Lamb. You know, Cooks still has the hands, the speed, a 1,000-yard receiver. There's a reason why big coaches have always loved them, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, gets traded a lot because he makes a lot of money, and there are other more classic number one receivers on a specific team but you put him opposite C.D. Lamb. Lamb's going to be the big dog. You know, Dallas is doing a lot of things right. They're bringing Stephon Gilmore at corner. They're now Brandon Cooks at receiver. Say goodbye to Ezekiel Elliott. I think they're going to have the draft picks perhaps to trade up for Robinson at the running back position, who I think is going to be a star. Mike McCarthy says goodbye to Kellen Moore. I thought that was a positive. All going to help Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. I am really fired up here for the Dallas Cowboys. You made a great point, Adam. Only great coaches seem to want Brandon Cooks, right? Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, what do they all have in common? They have all won a Super Bowl. He will have played for now four Super Bowl champion coaches, Adam, Brandon Cooks in his career. So I think these guys know a little bit of what they're doing here. I mean, he's had six 1,000-yard seasons The guy is one of the most underrated players in the entire league. It's funny. You interviewed him about two years ago. It was a virtual radio row. Yep. And the one takeaway I had from the interview was how does this guy keep getting traded? I I didn't understand it. He seems like an incredible person. He's an incredible player. And it just kind of feels like the reason he got traded is because he constantly holds value. Like he's that good. He always you can still get something pretty good when you trade Brandon Cooks. You know, if it's a numbers game, you have too many wide receivers, we'll, we'll trade Brandon Cooks. We'll get a first round pick back. That's what happened a couple times already in his career. So I think Dallas made a great move. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm gonna pick them to win, you know, win the AFC championship again like I did last year. But yeah, I, I'm feeling Dallas here, Adam. I, I think they're gonna be a trendy pick. I think they're going to be bet on a lot. I think you're going to be hearing a lot of Cowboys talk now until the season gets going here. And normally that would be off-season hype and hyperbole. Now I think there's some teeth, and the Dallas Cowboys finally are doing the right things in the offseason. Well, Jim Beheim did a lot of things right over 47 glorious years at Syracuse, and the legendary Syracuse basketball coach, the featured guest on the Rise and Shine podcast, and he joins us right after this. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. NFL fans, right now on the SXM app, hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis, all the breakdowns that matter to you, hosted by the players who played for your team and the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases, 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-V. Search Believe in, followed by your team on the SXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Rise and Shine podcast, my guy, just announced his retirement after 47 glorious years as the head coach at Syracuse University, doing a brilliant job coaching the basketball team. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations. Thanks for being part of the Rise and Shine podcast, Shine on Sports for all these years, and congrats on everything. Hey, thank you. It's uh, I didn't realize what a relief it would be to retire, though. If I had, I probably would have retired 10 years ago. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing when you don't now you don't have to get up and worry about who's staying, who's leaving, who we get in the NIL for, where is uh, who are we looking at in the transfer portal, who's leaving us to the transfer portal. You know, you don't have to think about those things anymore. So it's it's actually been uh, it's been a pretty good feeling. Um, it was fun. I, I had the best life you could have in coaching, um, 47 years, probably 40, pretty, pretty good ones. And probably seven of them just okay. But, uh, that's a pretty good percentage of good ones. Uh, I'm pretty happy about it. I did have to put up with you for a few <laughs> years here in Syracuse and that was tough, but we got through it and got you out of here, got you to New York and, <laughs> amazingly you're still there and you know the, i heard you just got a new four-year deal so i expect the contribution to the nil fund up here at syracuse <laughs> I, ex- I expect that check soon very soon i mean and it's you know. funny i have the the syracuse post standard from 1999 <laughs> behind me as we do the interview and there's a great quote from Jim Beheim in this article from 1999. So, listen, Coach, I think that's a fair trade, right? You know, I'm getting a new four-year deal. That's announced today on a Monday as we do this interview. So, you know, I, I do contribute to Newhouse, contribute to WAR. It's now time to contribute to the NIL. Absolutely, 100%. And that's all I'm going to be doing. So I'm, you better contribute or I'll be down there to haunt you because I'm, I'm going to be trying to help raise money for nil because hey let's face it that's the future of of college athletics it's not going to change i mean you saw some teams this year come to the very top yeah because they got transfer portal guys and some of it was natural some of it was nil but the great thing about the transfer portal is you see teams like fairly dickinson who you never would have thought of they won what four games last year but the coach came in brought three transfer guys with them from his team in division two and they almost got the sweet 16 they beat the number one seed uh with these transfer guys and and you look around the leagues transfer guys had a huge impact in in almost every program you look at kansas state going forward now yeah. uh, a couple transfer guys there uh, but you can look at almost every program and see a couple key transfer guys that have come in 
that made a big difference. And it's going to be more so uh, in the future, whether we like it or not, it's college basketball. Yeah, it's definitely changed. I want to go back to something you said, and I hope you take this as a compliment. I was always <laughs> worried about you in retirement. From this, per- now I know you're going to play golf, and you're very, you know, you have a great family, you do a lot of charitable things, and you love Syracuse. But you woke up every morning for 47 years, and I know you well enough to say this. How could I win? How? Can- oh, you love Syracuse. <laughs> you want to win. You, you was a one-track mind, and you never took yourself too seriously. You didn't treat the program like it was. You know, I, you always encouraged me to come watch when I was there. People to come watch it wasn't tip-top secrets. The Golf Channel was on in your your office. <laughs> All right, so it's interesting that you say you're relaxed. You're enjoying it. How do you plan on spending retirement? You know, I'm going to go watch my sons. I went to see Buddy plays on a two-way. He's up with the Pistons. I'm going to go to Czech Republic to watch Jimmy play next week or in a couple weeks. Um, I've got a, a nice lake house. I like to fish. I'll do some of that. But I'm going to be working here at the university trying to raise money for facilities, for NIL, trying to work with coaches, um, you know, just help with general things around, which I, I enjoy doing. But we have our foundation where we work with kids in the community and we raise about um, seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year to put back into the community with kids. And we'll keep doing that. Uh, Julie, uh, you know, obviously really pushes that driving force with that. We're going to start a program like Dave Bing has in Detroit to work with seventh and eighth graders, trying to guide them through high school and get them to graduate. So we've got a lot of things planned. Um, you know, we'll see how it all works out. I'll, I don't know if I'll do media stuff. Uh, you know, we'll see. I had an offer to coach internationally uh, this morning, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm not quite anxious to get into back into any kind of coaching, but there should be a lot of things to do uh, in terms of, uh, there'll be some media stuff, I think, but I I like working in the community, trying to give back to our community. The inner cities is, as everybody knows, there's 13, 14 year old kids that are robbing cars and, you know, robbing, stealing cars and robbing, people we you know we need to try to help with that do something so there's plenty to do and uh, i'm anxious and kind of looking forward to it yeah i think that's great and you do such amazing work and have forever in the community and that's always been part of the beauty of you and your attachment to syracuse the city to your alma mater you know giving back which i think is just incredible in every possible way what was it like for you now that you're retired sitting back and watching the NCAA tournament this weekend? You know, I found it. I, I love it. You know, I love sports. I watched soccer this weekend a lot. I watched lacrosse. <laughs> I watched a little bit of everything this weekend. I love watching the tournament. Uh, you know, the balance is incredible. It was kind of a myth for a while that, you know, there could be a lot of upsets. There was always a couple. But now uh, there's a lot of them. And I think going forward, there'll be even more with the, the balance, the equity in, in college basketball. And it's, it's fun watching these games. Um, it really is. I, I, I can't tell you the, the closeness and uh, just how hard it is to win in the tournament. Yeah. I, I remember when we expected to go to the Sweet 16. I think 
at one point we had been to about 15 sweet 16s in 30 years, more than half. And, you know, and then it got really hard. And uh, now it's, 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 people are jumping up and down, getting to the sweet 16. We, we didn't used to do that. You used to jump up and down if you get the final four, but the sweet 16 was, you know, it's kind of something you thought you could do, but now there are no easy games. I mean, there really aren't. Uh, it, it's a, it's, it's very difficult to win in the tournament. And, you know, some teams are made for the tournament. Some teams are a little better in the tournament because of the way they're put together. Mm-hmm. Some teams are better in the regular season. Um, for the long haul, they're just going to do, do better. But in a one-game situation, some teams are just not made for that, and that's why you're going to have these upsets. Which is a great piece of analysis, and, you know, Tom Izzo just moved past you, and one of the great things about you as a coach, you, you always had a knack. See, whatever it was in the regular season, and sometimes I go back to the Big East, maybe Syracuse would get a lower seed because you'd have road losses in the conference, but I think people knew how great you guys would be or could be come tournament time but your teams always had a knack for beating teams that had a better seed in the tournament. You had 15 of those victor- victories in your career. Izzo now has 16. What's the arts of that, doing just that, beating a team that's favored, better seed, expected to win in the NCAAs? Well, you know, uh, for, for us, the zone helped us in some situations. Teams don't see zones or you got two days to prepare that second game. Uh, it's harder to get ready in two days. I think that helped us. I think Tom, with this, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's a great coach. But he overscheduled. He admits it. So he would have a lot more losses than people. So his seed wouldn't be as good in the tournament. Yeah. But, it, you know, you knew that when the time came, he, his team plays great defense. They're very organized. They get the right shots. Uh, you know they're a hard out in the tournament. And But even with that, you know, he gets upset. You know, we, we've had some really great teams that get upset in the tournament. It's just part of the tournament. And uh, you have to come to understand that sometimes. But, yeah, we were fortunate. We uh, – just got in a couple times and got to the sweet 16. One year we got the final four and it just came together. Things worked and, you know, you win a couple close games and all of a sudden you're there. And uh, it's, it's a great feeling when you take a team there that, you know, just struggled to get into the tournament. Um, that's not as hard to do today. Today there's so much balance that if you get on a roll, I mean, you can win four games in a row, even if mm-hmm. you didn't have a great season. And uh, it's, it's just so hard to predict this tournament. It's, that's why it's fun to watch. No matter what happens in the future, there's going to be some major changes in college sports, uh, how they work the NIL, whether teams, the basketball power conferences break away. I don't know what's going to happen, but the one thing we have to preserve is the tournament for everybody. You can expand it a little bit. I'd be fine with that. But you have to let the, the all the teams in that are getting in now, the Fairleigh Dickinson, the Princetons, uh, those are the great stories in the tournament. They really are. 
Um, I enjoy that much more than watching a one seed win. Uh, you know, I just think it's fun. I think the fans appreciate that. We have to preserve that no matter what changes. I think the one thing, and Mike Krzyzewski's talked about this, basketball has to have autonomy. We have yeah. to be able to determine what we're doing. We can't be concerned about 350 schools. We can't be concerned about little schools, big media. We have to do what's right for basketball. And uh, the NCAA just hasn't moved in that direction enough, but I think that they will eventually. Um but it's very hard to pull back from NIL and transfer portal right away. Do you like where college basketball is headed? You know, you had some quotes to our friend Pete Thamel during the, the year. And I found well, myself, by the way, just, just to say this, I read them and I agreed with them. Now, we could debate if you should have yeah. said them out loud at the time. <laughs> but, but I agreed with everything that you said. Are, do you like where college basketball is headed? You know, it, there's a problem when players pick schools because they're getting more money there. Uh, the, that always happened in, in the past, uh, you know, but it, was a, it wasn't every school. It was some schools that happened. But uh, with some schools you recruit against, there was no money involved. And you just, the kid picked the school he liked the best, the coach he liked the best. Now it's, I think kids are going to go where they get the best deal. And uh, I don't, I don't think that's good, but it is reality. And all the schools are, are adjusting to that. Everybody will have NIL money. Every school will. And it's a matter, I think kids will still go where they want to go, but they will look at the NIL, NIL deal as well. But I think they'll still kind of pick the school they like the best. But in some cases, more in the transfer portal, I think, that's where kids go. They have agents now, mm. and they their agent gets the best deal for them. And um, that's what's happening. I, I don't think anybody likes it, but that's reality. And when you're in coaching, you have to deal with reality. This is reality. We have to deal with this. And uh, – we have to have good NIL programs. Our players get NIL here. I'm not against NIL. It's great. Uh, my son, Buddy, made a lot of money because he was well-known. He came off a big year, and he got a lot of little deals here and there and made, made a significant amount of money. But most players don't make that kind of money. Most players uh, don't get that. And I don't like it when two guys get $100,000 and eight guys get Ten thousand. Uh, that's the one thing in the old system. Everybody got a scholarship, seventy thousand dollars scholarship. It was the same for everybody. Everybody got the exact same thing. And now it's you get that scholarship, but then also somebody's going to get a lot of money, and somebody else is not going to get much. We tried to balance the NIL and see that every player got money from through the NIL collective. Um, some people, some players are going to get more because they're more popular. And I think players accept that. They understand that. But it's it's the system we have. It's a lot better than trying to pay college athletes because you can never do that. People don't understand 340 of the 360 schools break even every year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you start paying basketball players, football players, 
men's. Now you're going to have to play women's basketball players and women's. Like we have a great our lacrosse team is number one in the country. You know they're going to want to get paid. So there's not enough money for that. And you know it's just the way it is. NIL is a good way. It does advantage the men's sports more. Uh, and that I've heard a couple of women's coaches talking about that. That's that's a problem. Yeah. But the collectives are not controlled by the school. So if the school control them, you'd have to give an equal amount of money to men's and women's teams. But right now, uh, I think probably some women are benefiting. But in general, women's players are getting a lot less through the collectives than men's players are getting. So that could be a problem down the road as well. It's not fair. But, you know, we don't know where this all is going, but it, it's growing every year. Um, companies really want to get involved with players. It's good for their business. Uh, if you're at a school and you can get a good player and you can have him and give him an NIL, he's working for you, he's making commercials for you, it's good. It's good for the company. So I think there's benefits for both sides in this, but it's definitely uh, going to be a challenge moving forward. Um, and, you know, the transfer portal is a great thing, but there were 1,600 transfers last year in the portal. I think 600 didn't get a scholarship. They had to find someplace, Division two or go down. to the, They didn't have a scholarship. And the other thing is about, 50 to 60% of the players that do get a scholarship don't do as well where they transfer to as they did where they were. So there's some negatives, but it's, it's still a student athlete's choice. And when you make that choice, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And it's always been that way, but uh, there's just more. I, I do Remember, Hakeem Warwick as a freshman was struggling, wasn't playing that much here. And in today's world, he would have left. No doubt in my mind. Which is crazy to think about. That's an excellent point. The next year, he blocked the shot to win the national championship and made All-American two years later. At, right here. So maybe that would have worked at another school, but I don't know. Maybe not. But you, you used to stick with it. Now, some guys did transfer back then and did pretty well. But when you had to sit out a year, you really had to think about it. You didn't just go. You really thought about it. Now, if, you, you know, if your mattress isn't quite good enough, <laughs> you know, you might say, eh, I think I'm going to try to move over there. So we'll see. I mean, it's an involvement. It does. It did bring teams from the very bottom of their league to near the top of their league in our league and in the big 12, um, a couple schools in the big 10, a couple schools in, in the Southeast conference. I mean, it definitely moved teams from the bottom who would have really struggled to near the top of their league because they got good players in and they could play right away. So uh, that's, that's been, that's a good thing in a lot of ways. And the balance and equity is 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 pretty good right now in college basketball. Now, with that said, and it really is, you know, I 
I'm fascinated to know who you like for the rest of the tournament. I, By the way, I know you like Duke going in. I had Duke in my <laughs> championship game. I mean, I still can't believe what transpired. I did have UCLA winning the whole thing. Jim, to be honest, UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn were three of my favorite teams going into Selection Sunday. They all end up in the West. So that gave me a lot of stress, even though I picked UCLA. Mark Few is superb. Danny Hurley's team's got it going on. Who do you like to ultimately win this entire thing? I like Duke, and I was shocked. Tennessee was so up and down this year, and then they lost their point guard. I actually talked to Rick Barnes right before the tournament, and uh, he said he felt like he was coaching a team with a halfback running the team. Wow. <laughs> so I immediately – pick them to lose the first game i picked tennessee to lose before they got to i two. did too yeah, yeah. I, I thought, and, I, thought uh, they'd, I thought they'd lose their defense was unbelievable in yeah. the tournament i mean really i love duke i mean they won 18 what uh 18 and one and the one they lost they should have won they 18 had, and they one when john had his entire roster crazy and they should and they should have had the one with the two free throws that uh that uh Kyle Filipowski should have shot at yep. the in the Virginia game, but anyway, I don't know. I mean, I like uh, it's so hard to pick the winner of this thing. I mean, you might as well pick Princeton. I mean, <laughs> this thing is really difficult to pick. I remember early in the year when Princeton lost to Delaware and somebody else. I said, "Well, Princeton's not quite as good as they usually are," and now look at it. So you know, I mean, obviously. I, if UCLA, Jalen Clark hadn't gone out, I, I, I would probably pick them. I still like Miami. Um, they just can open the floor and attack you, and their big guy is such a presence. And so he's an underrated player. This kid is he's a, he's, a, he's a monster down there. You know, we played our best game of the year. We were at Miami ahead the whole game. We were up four with, I don't know, seven, six, seven minutes to go. We were down one. We had the ball uh, with 10 seconds to go, and I drew up a horrible play, and we lost uh, by three at Miami. And they'd only, they only lost one game in Miami, and that was the one they were up 25 to Florida State. So I like Miami. They've got guards. they got guys who can make plays. Wong can make – they've got a lot of guys that can make plays. Miller's one of the most underrated players in the country. He's really good. I uh, really like him. Uh, but you can't re – it's hard to pick. But if I had to, I don't, I don't know. I, I think Alabama's got a lot. They, they do have a lot. But I like UCLA. I kind of like UCLA a little bit too. Connecticut, really close. They'd be in my top two or three to, to win – um, it's it's a it's tough to pick. It really is tough to pick. Love to see Gonzaga win. That would be a great feeling. I love Mark Few's a great coach. It's a great friend of mine. Yeah, Mark Few's great. I'd love to see him get over the hump, coach. I mean, I'm so close so far. And you always said this to me after you won the championship. You said, you know, I'm not any smarter today than I was yesterday. And, <laughs> and, and it, it's it's you know, true. The, one of the greatest quotes about fans I've ever seen. I was in an AU tournament. I'm coming down the elevator. There's a lady who said, I had asked, she said, uh, are you from Stanford? I said, no, no, that's Orange. That's Syracuse. And she said, well, you know, I'm from Spokane. I'm from Spokane. I, oh, my gosh, what a great team you've got there. 
She looked at me and honest to God, she, are you kidding? She said, we can't win. We can't win it. Oh God. This was, this was a year. I said, are you kidding? You're the luckiest fans in the whole face of the earth. Here's a fan thinking their team is fails every year. And they're probably the most overachieving school in the history of college sports. But that's what fans, you know, that's when you understand, don't, let's not worry too much about what fans say because <laughs> they're, they're crazy. Yeah, and listen, I, I've been to Spokane, and I, I know, you know, the sun, you think the sun doesn't shine in Syracuse. The sun doesn't shine in Spokane, and what <laughs> Mark Few's done with that program is is tremendous. You know, 47 yep. years, you know, sweet 16 all the time, 20 wins all the time, a chance to do damage in, you know, the, the tournaments, whether it's the NCAA, the Big East, the ACC. You know, you think about the glory years in the 80s. I mean, I'm growing up. I'm 45. You got Big Monday, ESPN, the Carrier Dome, Pearl. Washington, Jim Beheim, the two three zone. I mean, this is such an incredible run when you think back to those days and everything that you built. Do you go through after you retire 47 years and you go through ebbs and flows and ups and downs and turning points? What what comes to mind as signature moments for you in Syracuse? Well, uh, that's really hard. You know, we we're for, I'm lucky. We've had so many. I remember going to New Mexico when they had Cooper. They were undefeated at home. They won every home game that year. They won by 30. And we had Roosevelt Bowie and Lewis Oil. That was my first year. And we won out there. And I said, this is unbelievable. But then we went to Louisville, and they had Wesley Cox and uh, Griffin. Uh, they, they were just top five in the country, and we won a game there. I mean, we've been lucky. We, we've had a lot of good wins. And uh, obviously, when you win the national championship, there's nothing like it. But I remember the first time we got the Final Four, we beat uh, number one seed, North Carolina. And uh, what a feeling that was. I mean, to get there for the first time and to go mm -hmm. through North Carolina. But, you know, I mean, it's I've been lucky just, just to have all these players and the Georgetown games here. The best. 31,000 yeah. people. <laughs> Uh, you know, I remember those games more than any. The the noise when Patrick came in, and you know St. John's when Chris Mullen came in, Georgetown with Allen Iverson, uh, Connecticut with Ray Allen and Danielle Marshall. I mean, I've been lucky to to just think about all those games. I still kind of every once in a while think about the six overtime game with Connecticut, and Jim's a good friend of mine, but. Um, he doesn't ever talk about that game. I talk, <laughs> I talk about it. It was an epic. I mean, it doesn't matter that it wasn't for anything. It was just a game in a tournament. Um, I mean, it was just an incredible night. I've talked to literally thousands of people who were going out to dinner or were going out someplace, or and they never got out. They never got there. Yeah. They, if they were out, they never went home until the game was over or it, you know, it was just an incredible game. And when I think about it, we were behind in all five, the first five overtimes, we never had the lead. And, you know, the only time we got the lead was in the six. So that game will always hang in my mind a little bit. And whenever Connecticut fans start saying something to me when I'm on the road, I go, what was that game? Six <laughs> one? And they don't say anything. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I mean, what can you say after that? You know, I'm curious, and, and you're so happy now in, in retirement. You know, is there anything over the last couple of years, whether it was you were never going on a retirement tour? That I know. Jim Beheim was not doing a retirement tour, not getting a rocking chair, not thank you. You know, you know it just wasn't going to happen. Is there anything no. you would have done differently, though, in terms of the process? Because, look, when you had to after the loss in the ACC tournament, and it got cleaned up at the press conference to announce Coach Autry, which I was happy for, you know, I just I didn't like seeing that. As someone who loves you, loves the school, loves the media, <laughs> I just didn't like that. Is there anything you would have done differently? Well, unfortunately, we just hadn't worked anything out, and it just came out, and originally I think it would have been the next week and we would have had worked everything out, but because things got out, it was just an awkward situation. And I think there were mistakes made and, you know, we're not going to get into all that, but at the end of the day, um, I met with the chancellor. We worked everything out. I'm very, I'm very happy. Uh, the school's happy. The main thing I wanted was for Adrian to, be the coach. He earned it. He worked hard for it. He's ready for it. And I wanted somebody from our program to be the head coach. And, uh, you know, all that had to be worked out and was worked out. Uh, I'm going to have some things to do here, which is, is what I really wanted to do. Uh, I love Syracuse. I want to be here all year and I don't want to just sit home. I want to be able to go in and do some stuff. And I think I can help do some, some things I won't be going to practice I won't be going to games but um, Adrian has all my support I've talked to him several times uh, every day just about since that happened and he's moving in a great direction he understands what needs to get done yeah it would have been better but it was an awkward it was that that was erased by the by the press conference back here in Syracuse and uh, I think people still think I didn't want to retire. That's, that is absolutely 100% not true. I would tell you, as you know, I would. Mm -hmm. If I felt like I wanted to stay and wasn't allowed to, I'd tell you that. You know that. I'm not going to start at this stage of my uh, life not telling it like I, like it is. And, but I was ready. Uh, we just didn't work out some things that had to be worked out in time. And then we did. didn't take long, but we got them worked out. And uh, everything's great. I, I couldn't be, uh, couldn't be happy. Uh, that's great. And final one, you mentioned earlier, maybe the media. You know, I always said Jim Beheim is the greatest sports fan. I mean, you reference, you know, watching soccer. You know, you're watching everything. <laughs> I know you watch golf. You'll watch baseball. You'll, you'll watch everything. I remember you once, this is a famous debate, <laughs> Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie. I'm doing the show my first year, 1999. You're like, what kind of moron would, would want to start Rob Johnson? I mean, you, and you're right, by the way, and they lost and they started <laughs> Rob Johnson. So you've got to take an opinion on everything. Would you ever get into sports radio, sports TV, nationally, locally? Have you ever thought about that? You know, if I was younger, I might. But no, I'm pretty satisfied. I, I don't know what I'll do. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of media stuff here next year. I have a contract for that. But I mean, I'll. I don't know. I have, like I said, I wouldn't mind doing a game. I, I some game. I don't know really what's going to happen. Um, it just depends how the summer goes and what I'm thinking in the fall. Um, I love doing games. I've done games in the past when I was younger. I, I 
enjoy that. I don't think I could go to the studio and just be in there all day doing that. But I, I think I could could do something, but I'm not sure what, and maybe it'll be nothing. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, when you retire at 78, you don't have to do anything. That's true. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do a damn thing. You're good. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. You are the best. Seriously, appreciate everything and appreciate all the nice words. And listen, I've said this to you before, but such a big impact and influence on on my career when, when I was a student and when I was there for three years and always, you know, through everything, showing loyalty when I was, you know, doing local television yep. at SNY and all the radio stuff at, at WFAN and then Sirius XM now for the last 18 years. And so I always appreciate everything and everything at CBS well, as well. So thank you. I was just glad we won when you were here. You would have been after me. So that, you know, we, we had a good relationship because we won and you really couldn't get me. So that that was good. But, you know, it's interesting. The two guys I remember that did well when they were undergraduates, you know, you you obviously did very well as an undergraduate. And then Mike Tirico, who had his TV show as network sports anchor when he was a sophomore in college. So when you're good, you're good. And, uh the one advantage you have over Mike, you can probably talk a little bit better and you found the right place. There's, you know, that's what you do. And uh, you talk about sports and people want to listen about, they want to know about sports. They love to talk about it. It's the problem with talk shows. It's like about 90% of the people that call in are negative. You know, they, the positive people that like things really don't call very, very often. It's, it's, uh, People that think they know how to coach better than, you know, better better than Bill Belichick, and it's kind of <laughs> kind of funny when you think about it. You know, not many can coach like that, but you know, it, it's. Uh, I've always enjoyed my relationship with the media, and I think people don't think that's true. And for most, the most part, most media people think I've been good to them and given them a lot of stuff, but. You know, when you say one on little off kind of thing to somebody, they kind of remember you for that. And they forget, I've done about 4,000 press conferences and about 99% of them were very positive, good experiences. <laughs> That's just the way it works. In, Do you think maybe sport. you were treated or covered a little unfair in that regard? Because, you know, I look like Mike Waters, who covers Syracuse for the Post Standard. I, you know, and I think he and Donna Dota, great, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of beat reporters who cover the team. You know, you know how to fill a notebook. You give them stuff, whether it's positive or negative. You're always going to get something honest from Jim Beheim. Well, Syracuse, the media. I, I, it's funny we talked about this, and you know they never say like you're a good coach, or they never say like you're good with the press, which they feel. But because they never say it, they're the people that cover us, so that word doesn't get out. And so more of the negative gets out, I think, sometimes. But, you know, that's – I've always felt the press and I have a working relationship. I've got to give them whatever they need, their answers. And I, I do that. I answer all their questions. Um, and whenever they have an issue, I, there's some things they read I don't like, and I tell them. But then we move on. And my job is to give the media as much information as I can give them. Sometimes you can't give them everything, but as much as I can, that they're doing their job. And for the most part, 
mean, I, I get along really pretty darn good with the media and, and always have, uh, you know, John Feinstein was one of my biggest critics when I was younger and he defended me the most of anybody this <laughs> last week. But, uh, you know, and we actually, we became very good friends after he called me the worst coach in the NCAA. You know, I, remember that, yes, yeah. I said, really, John, am I the worst out of all? I think there was 48 coaches back then when he said that. I said, really? You mean there's not one coach out there that I'm better? <laughs> not better than. But, you know, sometimes you write things or say things to be a little bit explosive, just the way, the nature of the business. But overall, I I, I have no, I've, I've enjoyed the press conferences and dealing with the press overall. Uh, I don't think anybody thinks that, but it's, it's, it's absolutely true. But to get to coach players and be involved in this great game. Um, it's just unbelievable. You know, you play as long as you can, and when you can't play, then you want to coach. And I've been able to do that right here at Syracuse for 61 years, and nobody's ever done that before, and nobody will ever do that again. Somebody might coach 47 years in Division One. I, I don't know, but nobody's going to do it at the same school they played at, and then we're an assistant, grad assistant, and then assistant coach. It's amazing. And never left in 61 years. You can't be any luckier than that. It's crazy, and it's well-deserved. Coach, as always, we appreciate the time, appreciate everything. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy the rest of the tournament, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. It's time for the Shine Wine. I love a good Merlot. Normally, I have a great feel for the court of public opinion, doing what I do for a living on Sirius XM, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and Shine On Sports in terms of interacting with callers and listeners and subscribers and people who tweet, who listen to the show, who watch Time to Shine on CBS Sports Network, who listen to the Rise and Shine podcast. I'm on Instagram at Adam Shine. I'm on TikTok now at Shine on Sports. Twitter, obviously, get the instant feedback. Normally, I have a good handle for the court of public opinion. I guess, and I knew there would be some Planet Delusional Packers fans I had no idea how many of you have no idea what the hell you're doing. No idea what the hell you're thinking. I mean, I understand that a percentage of you brainwashed and, you know, you look at Favre and to Aaron Rodgers and there's no team owner and you're reading cheesehead.blog.org and it's all happy, happy, joy, joy, and the Packers could do nothing wrong. Jordan Love is your quarterback. Trading Aaron Rodgers is one of the darkest days, in my opinion, the darkest day in the history of the franchise. Aaron Rodgers, when you drafted his replacement in 2020, instead of giving him T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, as we first guessed on the Rise and Shine podcast on Shine on Sports, we had T. Higgins on radio in Phoenix at the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. He said when the Packers made the trade to go up in the draft, he thought for sure he was going to Green Bay. Can you imagine? T. Higgins, opposite side of Devontae Adams in 2020. That started everything. I don't want to hear Rodgers, the diva, get him out of here. You never heard a word from Aaron Rodgers about whether or not he was going to finish in Green Bay until they drafted his replacement instead of helping him win a championship. And instead, they trade up for his replacement, a project quarterback, who should have never been picked in the first round in the first place again, First guess on my part, he was terrible, interception-prone against the only two ranked teams he faced in college. 
dreadful when Aaron had COVID and he had to have a spot starred. Jordan Love did against Kansas City a few years ago. Jordan Love sticks. The Bears are laughing. The Lions are laughing. The Vikings are laughing. I mean, Brian Gunekis brought in your hands. Gooney, the general manager for the Green Bay Packers, he traded the best player in the history of the franchise out of spite. What a joke. Should have kept Aaron Rodgers. Should have tried to give him Brandon Cooks, who we talked about earlier in the pod. Should have tried to give him DeAndre Hopkins. Should have tried to help him the last few years. This is an absolute joke. And the Jets, when the deal goes through, they're going to be in the mix for the Super Bowl. Simple as that. They'll be on the same level, in my opinion, as Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati. Debate the order. We're talking about a legit top five defense with Aaron Rodgers with the ultimate chip on his shoulder. Most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. And if you don't believe me when it comes to the Packers, check Vegas. They have the worst odds as we record the podcast to win the NFC North. The Lions are number one, and they've had a terrific offseason. Three incredible pickups in the defensive backfield. I love David Montgomery at the running back position, and the Lions are moving in the right direction. Vikings are second. They'll come back down to earth a little bit, but they're light years ahead of the Packers. And the Chicago Bears, worst team in the NFL on record. They have better odds right now to win the division than the Green Bay Packers, and that's because love hurts, love stinks, Love is the worst. I mean, and it was crazy. Bob, you screen telephone calls, and you're the best in the business at doing it in terms of being a producer in general, executive producer, and screening calls before they come on the air with me. I mean, you have to sometimes, you know, talk some sense even into these nonsensical people before they come on the air. You've been monitoring the incredible video from Shine on Sports that, you know, I destroyed destroyed the Packers, our guy Evan Neal, who runs the video for Shine on Sports and Mad Dog Sports Radio and the Rise and Shine podcast and the full monologue from this rant on Jordan Love. It's up on the SXM app. I mean, I know we don't always agree on everything, obviously, in sports. We're on the exact same page on this. And and you've had to shoo away telephone calls or try to talk some sense to some people, knowing that I would absolutely destroy them on the air I mean, this is complete and utter absurdity. Planet delusional Packers fans who are thinking that they have a gem or they're better with Jordan Love, and it was time to trade Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you're 100% right, Adam. Now, I got to tell you, though, some of our callers are incredibly level-headed. The majority are, right? Yes. We've had a couple of unbelievable Packers calls over the span of the last couple of weeks. People who agree with you and who, who see it from both sides, right? Now, of course, I've had to chase some people off the line like – Packer Mike and Packer Kevin and Cheesehead Bob and all these other people calling in ready to go crazy and rip you. To be honest, the video, Adam, the Twitter video we posted was insane. The comments were so nuts. I mean, first off, this video has been viewed almost, it's about 150,000 times already, which is nuts. 200 plus retweets. The, it's about it has about 700 comments. I wanted to read a couple of them for you, Adam. Just like a mini shine box because some of these I was laughing at so hard I thought were hysterical. Like listen to this one. At NBA Liva says this might be the worst take in the history of the internet. Oh my god! Guess you think it was awful they traded far to let Rodgers play? No, and awful they drafted Rodgers over a wide receiver. No, no, <laughs> this- no, no, no! <laughs> I supported the draft pick when Rodgers fell. I loved it. I hosted that draft for SiriusXM and Brett Favre. I mean, that was pure drama. 
and Favre was cooked, and Rodgers was going to be amazing. That was my take, and he proved to be an even better quarterback than Brett Favre. So, no, don't compare it with what happened with Favre. Oh, you just can't, Adam. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was falling in the draft. The Packers stopped the fall. Nobody wanted Jordan Love. Nobody was trading up to get Jordan Love. Like you always say, he was a project quarterback. He threw 17 interceptions the final season, Adam, at Utah State. He was not a guy on the radar for the end of the first round. That's why the pick will always be just ludicrous and wrong. Some of these other ones, Adam, are so funny. Some of these comments on you. At Jamie Weston says, you're wrong. We're just starting to see the light. Aaron was darkness and always will be. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're not going to appreciate what they had until they see him throwing touchdown after touchdown for the Jets. That is a shameful, shameful tweet. 100%, Adam. At HOF Dookie says... Get off Aaron's D. Get off the Packers D. We loved Aaron. It comes time for him to leave. We are happy. We like Jordan Love. We're ready for the new era. I mean, it comes time for him to leave. How about this concept? The NFC is wide open. The best team in the NFC is clearly the 49ers, who don't have a starting quarterback. They're, they're the best team, don't have a quarterback. The Eagles were a bit flukish last year. The entire division, we talked Cowboys earlier in the pod, the entire division got better. I don't think Philly's going back to the Super Bowl. The entire NFC is wide open. The Packers, if they supported Rodgers, kept him, and gave him another wide receiver, I mean, they could have been in the mix for the Super Bowl again. And by the way, you delusional Packers fans, Aaron Rodgers won a second MVP. You followed it up. By trading Devontae Adams, you traded Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in consecutive off-seasons. I mean, how foolish are you? Oh, Adam, that was great. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with you, Adam. I, I thought these, these tweets, these comments were hysterical. Look, you and I are on the same page. I mean, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a rock star on the Jets. And the Packers, you've just been all over it. You've been all over it for years, ever since the pick, that the writing was on the wall and they made a huge mistake. So I just got to congratulate you because your take was excellent. I just cannot believe how many people just spit hate and vitriol at you when we tweeted out this video. I thought people were smarter than this, Adam. I thought they weren't brainwashed by the Packers front office, but I guess I was wrong here. Shame, 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 shame. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. So this weekend, we had a 50th birthday party for a friend, Katie and I, and it was great. It was in the city. And anytime, if you live in in the suburbs, right, and I think you can relate to this no matter where you live in the country, if you live in the suburbs, like a lot of us do, who have kids like I do, like Bob does, you know, and you have an opportunity to put something that you love on the calendar that's in the city, especially for us in, in New York. I, I said to, to Katie, I checked the kids' sports schedule. You know, the games don't start for Maya soccer or softball or Theo's baseball or Jolie's field hockey until, you know, the week after. I'm like, we're staying in the city. That's it. We're, we're going with friends. A lot of people we love are there. We're staying in the city. Great. So that means my parents will stay with the kids. Phenomenal. There's a running joke in my family when it comes to my parents staying with the kids. My mom will always be there. My dad, no chance. Because we have a family dog, 
and he refuses to put the dog with someone or let someone watch the dog. So, you know, th- this is my, oh, my, no. my dad's best friend on earth is, is the family dog, right? So my dad, who doesn't love staying alone, has been great and wonderful. And he, he'll stay at home. And my mom will stay with the kids, you know, run them wherever they have to go on, on Sunday. My kids love, and love staying with my mom. It's great for my mom. All works out. All a win. So my dad decided my mom was taking the kids to lunch on Sunday. He wanted to come in for lunch. My dad has decided he can't drive by himself. Now, whether or not that's true is up for debate, but he can't <laughs> drive by himself. <sighs> so here is the text, and it follows last week's text from Jack Shine perfectly, right? Here is the text that is so wonderfully loaded from my dad at 10.54 a.m. on Sunday morning as we are at brunch in New York City with friends, getting pancakes, a frittata, I mean, this is the text I get. Send an Uber to my crib for (laughs) 11.15. Do it now. That's that's the text from my dad. Now, he has been sending nonstop, you know, NCAA tournament emails, you know, taking articles from the New York Post, you know, just going nonstop, right? And and then, no, no, hey, how was your night? How's your morning? How are the kids? I'm coming in for lunch. He says, send me an Uber, which he pronounces Uber. Excuse me. He pronounced it like the update guy, Jeremy Huber. He pronounced it (laughs) Huber. Send me a Huber. He actually spelled it right. To my crib, which is what he calls the house, for 1115. Do it now. By the way, Edgar picked him up. Edgar drove him in. Wow. Lunch with the kids. Yeah, so it it ended up being a, a real happy ending for Jack Shine. He went from his crib. To my crib. So, by the way, you can appreciate this, Bob. Yeah. Underrated part of the story, I knew how to get the Uber. I mean, that you know me. Underrated. You know me with technology. How impressed yeah. are you that I was able to order this Uber by myself? I'm not that impressed. I mean, you've shown <laughs> the capability to be able to do these things, Adam. I'm proud of you. I just I'm choose not, not to. Right, right, right. Yeah, you just choose You just choose to let it. Let somebody else who has more capable hands handle something like that. I got to tell you, Adam, but... Just the dog. The, I can't believe he won't leave the dog. I, I just, that is the one reason I will never get a dog. Like, Bingo. people will always accept a child. You can bring a baby into a restaurant. You can bring a baby over a family member's house all the time, right? It's, it's just universally acceptable. You can't really bring a dog anywhere. No. I mean, there's like a there's like a small amount of places. So that's tough. I mean, he's, he's going to be missing out on better brunches, Adam, because of the dog. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it either. Listen, I love dogs. Bob loves dogs. Everybody loves dogs. But this is exactly why the Shine family, much to the chagrin for my kids, will never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever get a dog. Rise and Shine is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, Please give a five-star rating, leave a review, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.